time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, April 2nd, 2021. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I got to let you guys know right off the bat that I am recording this episode a day early, like I usually do. So it is April 1st, Thursday. And for total transparency, I'm just letting you guys know that uh, I'm recording this before I'm heading out to the Rose Bowl down in Pasadena to watch the big, huge football game, Pasadena Poly against Rio Hondo Prep, the 51st meeting all time between these two schools uh, after a recalculation of uh, wins and losses. It has been determined by actually Pasadena Poly that the all-time series uh, is at a 30-20 to 20 lead for Rio Hondo Prep. So the Cares thought they were one game down, 22-23, but after a, a recount, it has been determined that the Rio leads the all-time series 30 wins to 20 wins. So I thought that was rather interesting. Anyway, I wish I could tell you this morning that, hey, Rio won or, hey, Rio lost. I don't know what's going to happen as I'm recording right now. But hopefully some of you guys were able to tune in to some of my Facebook Lives that I posted uh, during the game on Thursday night. I uh, did a lot of different interviews and short little videos. At least that was the plan. The plan uh, before, before as I sit here now recording, before I go out to the Rose Bowl and I'm able, able to do these things. So uh, this is something I'm incredibly excited about. Uh, I've been to some amazing sporting events in my life, uh, but this is going to be pretty cool, going to a, a completely empty Rose Bowl and watching Rio Hondo Prep and Pasadena Poly. Uh, it's it's going to be something that I hopefully will cherish forever. Anyway. A uh, few things to get to today. First of all, our guest is Dave Ramos. I, I mentioned that on Wednesday about Dave coming on the program. Uh, Dave is a very, very legendary football player from Rio Hondo Prep. Won a CIF title back in 1996 after uh, losing the previous year in 95 in his junior season. Came back and uh, won the title very convincingly on that 96 team right alongside uh, his brother Jason Ramos who was on both of those teams as well and then won two more CIF championships uh, his junior and senior year. Uh, so uh, the Ramos family, very um, – very, very big names in the Real Hondo Prep football lore. You will hear a lot about that from Dave today in talking about his life growing up through Care Youth League, playing football at Real Hondo Prep. Dave actually went on and played some college football too before uh, starting a career in law enforcement with the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. So you're going to hear a lot of that today, uh, Dave's journey, if you will. Uh, very much looking forward to that. And I had contemplated really doing an episode this Friday with all the interviews and the recap of the of the big game at the Rose Bowl. But I thought I'd save that for Monday. I do want to keep things kind of in order here. You know, Fridays are, are set aside really for that long-form interview with somebody. And I don't want to kind of get off of that, uh, that routine, that schedule. Mondays we can fill with sports talks and uh, a recap of the Rio game. So the plan, again, the plan. I always plan things, but they don't always go according to plan. The plan is all the videos I post, all the short little clips and interviews and uh, action shots, whatever, 
all that stuff that I'm going to do at the Rose Bowl and post on, on Facebook Live. My hope is that I can then download those videos and piece something together for the podcast on Monday. I will be breaking down the final four on Monday. I'll be, uh, I'll, as far as you know what happened, I'll talk uh, about some other sporting events, but most of Monday's show will be dedicated to the recap of the Real Hondo Prep versus Pasadena Poly football game at the Rose Bowl. That occurred on Thursday evening, and uh, as I sit right now, I can't give you any more info on it because uh, I haven't recorded anything. I've recorded all this right before, and uh, yeah, we're off and running. Okay, uh, Major League Baseball opened on April 1st on Thursday afternoon. Uh, pretty cool seeing stadiums full of people, maybe not 100% capacity, but quite a bit of people. Um, quite a bit of people that, uh, you know, were out at the games and taking, uh, you know, taking their part to enjoy baseball, just way better than those cardboard cutouts. I must say there's something about opening day for most fans, right. And fans and teams, and it's just hope I should, they should call it hoping day. I think, okay. That's a little corny. I know, but hoping day, why not? Uh, there's uh, most teams, uh, everyone's undefeated. Uh, most people play day games. And uh, people take off work. Even if it's a night game, people are just excited to see their teams play. Uh, UNC uh, head coach in basketball, uh, Roy Williams from North Carolina, retired. Uh, great career. Uh, I'll kind of talk more about that maybe on Monday's show. But that that was announced uh, Wednesday night or Thursday morning, excuse me. But uh, Roy Williams retired. So uh, congrats to him on a great run at both uh, Kansas and North Carolina. Uh, winning some titles there, coaching the likes of Michael Jordan, I believe, and uh, uh, kind of building his own legacy as a head coach as well. So uh, great stuff for Roy, Roy Williams. Uh, congrats on a great career. Okay, where else do we want to go here? Okay, before I kind of give you my final four picks for Saturday's games, there's something I want to mention to you guys. And, you know, it's it's funny how life is sometimes. I so, Okay, whether you're a, a religious person, you have faith, maybe your faith has been tested, um, it, it is what it is. I, I do know this, that everything in life happens for a reason. It's, it's, it's cliche. It's whatever. My mom used to always say it. it. It angered me, but, but now as I've grown older, I see more and more, but I also know that, you know, God speaks in very mysterious ways as a kid growing up. And even in high school, I'd be like, you know, everyone says God talks to you. I mean, and they're like, well, he doesn't, you don't hear a voice. You don't hear an actual voice. It's just, he speaks to you in, in different ways. And I never understood. I was like, how are you supposed to hear him if you don't know how to, how to listen, how, what to listen for? My, one of my good friends, Renzo Rowell in high school, uh, did a, a, a monologue. It was a, it was a poem, I believe. And it was called a still small voice or something like that. Forgive me, Renzo. He did an excellent job with that. He was very passionate and it was just about listening to God and how, Sometimes you got to listen for that very faint voice that maybe you don't want to listen to. You don't want to hear, but it's there, right? And I want to tell you something that occurred to me the other day that I found very interesting. Okay, I have a okay, I have my issues with Facebook, right? You know, tech, big tech, and this and that. Um, but they also provide a lot of ability for content for me to post videos out, all those things. And one thing Facebook does that I think is well, it's okay is they do these Facebook memories that pop up randomly, right? Hey, you said this uh, four years ago, or you posted this three years ago. You were at this place six years ago. And you kind of just, oh yeah, I remember that. That was cool. 
they randomly pick stuff for you. And a friend of mine was going through a very difficult time on uh, March 31st. That was a Wednesday. And I hadn't gone, I had talked to them and, you know, was trying to, you know, sometimes there's no, there's no words you can say, right? And I was like, man, that's what a, they were going through something really, really difficult. And I, a few hours later, happened to open up my Facebook page. And the first thing there that popped up was a, a, a status I had listed back on March 31st, 2014, seven years ago to the day. And some of my friends give me a hard time because I, I I leave like cryptic uh, messages or quotes or stat. I don't know. Sometimes I just say what's on my mind. That was kind of what I what I was going through uh, different stages in my life. But anyway, I wrote this down, and this status popped up seven years later, to the day of a day that someone I was close to, a very good friend of mine, was really struggling with something, and had suffered a loss, and. I just shook my head. I said, man, God does speak in mysterious ways. I never knew typing something seven years ago would would come back and be so meaningful the day of. Anyway, here's what I wrote. Nothing super philosophical or anything. Just I, This is something I wrote down on my Facebook page. I said, quote, you never know what tomorrow will bring. That's the exciting part of every day. And even when it is bad, there's another tomorrow after that, God willing. And I don't know if I came up with that. I probably didn't. I probably heard it on a, a movie or a speech or something, and I just wrote it down. That was kind of – I never knew what to write on Facebook statuses, right? I, I still don't. I'm talking real Hondo prep high school football, and I've been out of high school for 18 years or whatever. Oh, man, 18 years? Wow. 17 maybe. 18 years. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so I don't know, but but I just – I saw that. It jumped out to me. I talked to my friend. I said, hey – this to me tells me somebody's listening. Somebody's watching out for you. The universe isn't just this, this random where something like that happens, where there's a connection. So I thought it was weird. Again, you never know how God is talking to you. Or if you're not religious, just the universe. I don't know. I don't know what your viewpoint is on life. But I do know that there are signs and things that come to us at different times that point you in a direction or are there for you and in, in comfort or whatever. And it's just like, okay, wow, it puts it puts you maybe at ease, give you some perspective. I, I don't know. But I think my overall theme there and message is that, you know, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open. You never know where you might get some uh, words of wisdom. And I'm not saying my words were that, you know, full of wisdom or anything. It was just something that popped up, I thought was way too much of a coincidence after having just talked to a friend about going through something difficult. And then I look on my memories, very first thing that pops up and I'm like, whoa. (laughs) Anyway, God, God is good, man. God is good. And, uh, yeah, it's just crazy when stuff like that happens. Okay. Real quick on the final four this Saturday, one of the best days of the year, two basketball games, uh, the NCAA is down to its final four teams, and it will be an all-Texas semifinal between Baylor and Houston in the early game, followed up by an all-West Coast final, Gonzaga against UCLA. Um, I'm not much of a betting man, but I'll lay the lines out for you. Baylor is favored by five points. Yeah, Gonzaga is favored by two touchdowns and two extra points. 14 points. That's a huge spread 
for a semifinal. Uh, UCLA is an 11 seed. Gonzaga is a one seed. On the other end, you got Baylor and Houston, a one and a two seed. So uh, that's obviously a much closer, a much closer um, uh, game, according to the experts, if there are such a thing. Uh, Houston, 28 and three. Baylor, 26 and two. Five, five losses between them. I mean, uh, this is a very difficult game game for me to pick. Um, I don't, it really is even, I think. I know what the experts are saying, but if I look at the Houston's uh, last five wins uh, over Oregon State, Houston, Rutgers, Cleveland State, and Cincinnati versus Baylor's last five uh, wins. Well, f- I should say four wins and a loss. Uh, Baylor beat Oh, excuse me, Arkansas, Villanova, Wisconsin, Hartford, and then lost to Oklahoma State, 83-74 in the Big 12 tournament. So, oh, what do I say here? What do I say? You know what? Um, I don't really have any connection to either school. Um, it's been 50 years since Baylor was in the tournament. Um, Houston, and, you know, they have a little history there from the 80s and five slam at JAMA. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Houston Cougars advancing. I think uh, the Houston Texans are going through a tough time. Uh, None of us out here in LA have any love for the Houston Astros uh, for the things that occurred a few years ago. But I think the Houston Cougars, I think they will advance to the final, to the championship game. And I'm only picking them really because I'm going against the spread here, against uh, Baylor's five-point projection. Anyway, I think uh, Houston gets it done. Should be a very exciting game. In your face, I mean, just going to be a good basketball game, I hope. Okay, to UCLA and Gonzaga. 30-0 Gonzaga against 22-9 UCLA. 14-point spread. After, I really did like UCLA. I like them to beat Michigan, and I like their style of play. I really, really do. After what I saw with USC, though, I just I cannot, in good conscience, pick against Gonzaga again. I really hope UCLA does it. I hope they put up a fight and keep the game low scoring. But Gonzaga just looks too complete. They look like a whole different level. They really, really do. And uh, I, I got to go with Gonzaga to get to the championship game. And I will have a championship game pick for you on uh, our podcast on Monday, whether or not uh, those two teams are actually playing in the championship game. My picks here in March haven't been great except for the opening round. And uh, so we'll, we'll see uh, who it is in fact, but that's who I think is getting to the final Houston and Gonzaga uh, for the national championship game on Monday night. I am going to do my best to uh, watch some of these games. I don't know how, but I'm going to do my very best uh, in, in these busy times we're in. Okay, Dave Ramos is on the show today, and this is something Dave told me right before. Uh, no, I should say it was after we recorded. Dave was prepared, man. He had all kinds of information and, and notes, and and there was honestly things we did not get to that I wish we would have been able to get to. But one thing Dave told me was uh, a story when his son was in high school and, and playing actually against Rio Hondo prep in a football game. And Dave was an assistant coach and, and he knew Mark Karchin was the, the new head coach at Rio Hondo prep. And Dave was trying to prepare. I think it was, excuse me, Dave, if, if I'm, if forgive me, if I misspeak here, I think it was Excelsior Christian uh, or, or that school. I think it was, but anyway, whatever the team was, Dave Ramos was coaching his son. He was an assistant for the team, and they were going to take on Real Hondo Prep, Dave's alma mater. And so all week, Dave had told this team, guys, you got to be, be prepared for the sweeps. you got to cover the outside, both the right and the left. They're going to sweep you guys to death. you got to cover that. If you can shut down the sweeps, be ready, be ready, be ready. And uh, so he just he had that team ready for the 
first couple plays, we got to hey, set a tone here, stop the run, stop the edge. Well, he then told me that head coach, Mark Carson, I know Mark doesn't run the offense, but, but still you're the head coach and you, you, you know, anything that uh, play that gets called, you, you give your blessing on. And he said he had his defense all ready for the run and all ready for the early sweeps. And what does Mark do? Mark calls a deep pass. Deep pass, touchdown, real Hondo prep. Dave is just scratching his head going, ah. And they all looked at him. He said, the team was like, you said they were going to run the ball. You said they were going to sweep it. And Dave's like, yeah, I I did too. After 40 years of running the ball and probably running the same play on the first play of every game, uh, that's what I thought they'd do. And uh, man, Mark, head coach, head coach Mark Carson, you got Dave Ramos that day with the great play call. Uh, got to give Randy Johnson some credit too. He probably knew. The offensive coordinator, Randy Johnson, he probably knew that Ramos would have that defense uh, dialed in and maybe have eight or nine in the box ready to stop the uh, vaunted Real Hondo Prep running attack and, uh, you know, pulled pulled something out of the hat. So uh, Dave Dave chuckled about that. I thought I'd share that story with you guys because, uh, yeah, I could just see that happening. Uh, <laughs> Dave all fired up and, and then uh, Mark throws something at him that he did not see coming. So, oh, you got to love Real Hondo Prep football. Anyway. Let's now get to that interview with Dave Ramos. Very much excited for you guys to hear this. Happy Friday to everyone. Hopefully you guys are listening to this after a real hondo prep victory. But if the Cares couldn't get it done last night, then uh, hey, you know what? All is all is still okay in the world. The, the, the world goes on. But you, are, you will hear some great real hondo prep football topics today from uh, Dave Ramos. I had his brother Jason on months ago, had to get Dave on, and I'm glad that we finally landed this uh, to hear from a great guy, someone who serves in law enforcement, and uh, one of the great football players from uh, Rio Hondo Prep. So let's get to it. Here is Dave Ramos. Okay, today I am joined by a member of the class of 1997 from Rio Hondo Prep, a law enforcement uh, officer and someone who's played college football before, a CIF champion at Rio Hondo Prep in 1996 as well, Dave Ramos. David Ramos, welcome to the program. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me on. What's going on, Dave? I appreciate you recording this with me so late at night, but you know what? Well, with kind of job schedules and everything, we got to find a time whenever we can. So thanks for staying up late with me. Uh, no problem. <laughs> my schedule too. Yeah. Hey, it is what it is. So uh, Dave, uh, we're going to chat a lot today about football. I'm sure some care youth league, real hondo prep, uh, maybe about kind of your career path and going into law enforcement and everything, uh, family leadership, just anything you want to talk about. It's all good. Uh I don't know how much you've listened to this podcast in the past, uh, but I got to imagine you listened to your brother, uh, brother's episode, Jason Ramos. Uh, he was on this program a few months ago. Did you get a chance to hear that and a few others? I did. I, I've listened to Jay's. Um, I listened to just about everybody's that I know of, uh, several of the leaders, um, uh, some of the, you know, uh, Mr. Horton, both Mr. Hortons, Mr. Loomis, um, and then several of the other guys that I would probably consider peers, the all the Lee boys, uh, uh, Rick. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've watched a bunch. Or I've watched a bunch. bunch. No, that, that's that's awesome, man. It's, I'm glad to hear that 
uh, people are tuning in. I, it's a, it's a blessing for me to see how many plays are getting heard. I'm like, okay, so there's people out there, like, you know, real Hondo people at least are, are tuning in. So it's been great. And what I found Dave is that even though you and I graduated years apart, I've said this a few times to a few different people, there's still that connection that I, we've never really talked before, but as soon as we started talking kind of before recording here, it's just like, we kind of known each other all these years because we both kind of grew up in the same background. So I found that time and time again to be the case. And I got to ask you as someone, you went through care, you went through Rio. Does it, do you ever get tired of kind of hearing about guys who went through the same program as you, or does it kind of just bring up all these different memories for yourself? Uh, no, I never get tired of it. Uh, you know, it's it's the reminiscing, the, it's the good old days. Um, I, I enjoy hearing uh, what people have to say and, and things that, that are going on, things that experiences that they had that were similar to mine where I can say, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, I mean, we, we have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and a lot of people are connected on that. Um, but it's different when you hear somebody talk for an hour uh, <laughs> and describe certain things that, that you went through also. Yeah, it's it's been so cool for me to, to talk. And I talk to other peers and officials and other uh, random guests as well. But a bulk of this has been a real hundo prep centered, if you will. And it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. So uh, let's let's go down memory lane for you, Dave. Um, you know, you are someone that had a great athletic career at Rio, you played college football, and then you're eventually, um, you're, you've been in law enforcement a while now. We'll get to all that. But first, uh, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to uh, you and uh, little Jason Ramos, as, as uh, far back as you can remember. Uh, you guys strike me as the type of kids that always came home dirty with grass stains and uh, maybe scrapes on the knees and elbows. Uh, is that kind of what summed up you guys uh, as a very young age? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we, we were very much into uh, the military. We had a, a couple of our cousins were in uh, ROTC and then also in the uh, military. Uh, so we we went through a phase where it was just all about Army, uh, of course. Uh, you might be too young to remember G.I. Joe, but G.I. Oh, Joe was, was, uh, was the thing, oh, yeah. right? So um, we thought we were G.I. Joes. Um, but yeah, always dirty. I think there was one point we uh, we wanted to have face painting on our face, and my dad had an old Buick Regal that we went to the tailpipe and scraped the residue out of the tailpipe <laughs> and just painted our faces with this black soot from the exhaust. And uh, we were out for hours running around the neighborhood and came home, and mom freaked out like, hey, "What's on your face?" And yeah, that was the last time we were able to do that. She's trying to use makeup on us, putting, you know, brown and green splotches of the face with her. Makeup. <laughs> it's war paint, mom. Get over it. Come on. It doesn't yeah. matter where it came from. This is camouflage. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Turned out okay. We, we don't got any, you know, <laughs> problems. Oh, I absolutely love that. That's fantastic. So uh, at, at what age Dave did? Did you and Jason, or, or I know you're older, so when did you guys uh, become affiliated with with Care Youth League? Did it just, was it neighborhood kids, or were you, were you, did you were you guys looking for a league? How did this all happen that you stumbled upon Care? It started, I want to say, when I was about 
second or third grade. I don't remember exactly. I do remember going to Victory Park in Pasadena where we grew up and there were some uh, teams that were playing. I don't remember if it was football or baseball, but I remember my dad complaining about the people, just the people in general. There was a lot of screaming and cussing, uh, you know, amongst parents and stuff. And he, he didn't like that. And one of my mom's coworkers uh, knew about care, had their um, kid in care. And that's how we got hooked up. Wow, that's uh, that's really cool. And, and sounds like your father was a very wise man, Dave, a man ahead of his time. And I mean, you have kids now, so you can kind of, you probably relate that, you know, unfortunately not much has changed in youth sports, the, the parents are the ones acting like kids a lot of times. And I think that is something Care Youth League has done a great job of is, is keeping, keeping everything, staying competitive, but keeping things in order, especially not letting the parents overstep things. So uh, you guys joined up in Care Youth League and your parents fell in love with it, I'm sure like you guys did. Yeah, I, I think my parents, um, you know, they're just like typical parents. They wanted to do whatever they could to make their kids happy. And uh, we started playing sports and of course we loved it um, and just never stopped after that, you know, ended up, uh, we were on Indian, the, on, on the West, the West side. Yes, sir. Youth League. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Who were some of the uh, teammates you had? Uh, I, I saw you guys play in high school. I wasn't sure of those guys in high school. Who was on Indian with you? I knew you were. Who were some of the guys on Indian that you grew up with and, and maybe even some of the guys that didn't didn't end up going to Rio? Um, so some of the guys that um, I played with, uh, Mike Gutierrez, Erica Doy, Marcus Franco, um, Gary Bagby, trying to, those are the, those are the ones I was probably the closest to Mm -hmm. uh, growing up, at least all the way through eighth grade. Um, None of the other, none of those guys ended up going to high school at Rihanna Prep. Uh, Mike and I did go to, uh, I think at least seventh and eighth grade together. Then he went to a different high school. Um, But because Jay was a year younger than me um we had we had several different families that com- sort of combined because of the age group so we ended up meeting you know the Dinius's, um uh andre gonzalez and his family um the telluses um yeah I'm one blank. big yeah, no, no. Hey, that's all good. It's hey, it's it. It's not like it's been thirty years or anything, uh, Dave. It's all it's all good, man. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, no, it's just fun hearing some of the names, and um, I still feel like for me, like it was all yesterday, right? Playing these these games at Care Youth League, and uh, so who are some of your leaders um, while on Indian? And tell me about them, what they were like. We'll we'll, we'll kind of know some of the names, but tell me the impact they had on you or kind of what they were like were they mean were they fun uh, all of the above who'd you have well i don't have as photographic of a memory as you do <laughs> remembering like when you were like three years old you know going to the supermarket or something 
I don't know. You tell these crazy stories. I, I don't really recall a whole lot, to be honest. Um, but I do remember uh, that my first coaches when I got to care um, was uh, Mr. John Miller. Or sorry, Mr. John Martin and Mr. Miller were my two coaches. Um, the coolest thing that I remember about, about um, Mr. Miller was he had this sports cart. Um, now I was a coach, just like you were when we were in, you know, high school and lug around like a, a bag of balls and catcher's equipment and then try to hold bats over here and try to get to the field. But Mr. Miller built this sports cart that had all kinds of uh, compartments that just held everything, held all the, all the all the gear that you can think of all the balls all the all the bases and whatever else and he would just push it down down the road and get to the field and um i remember thinking that was so cool oh that is neat yeah like uh like one of those uh uh refreshment carts we'll say on the golf course or like some of those like uh vip golf uh golf carts that's hilarious uh hey what better hey we've all carried those bags we we know like man that would what a what a great great idea <laughs> yeah for sure very fun uh, well, go ahead but mr martin was really cool i just remember um I, I couldn't tell you really about like any of the sports stuff to be honest when we were little i just remember like the club meetings um you know the i, I know you said you didn't have club rooms out in wingate and you were so deprived but uh, we did have the little uh uh sticky board things i don't even know what you call them in the in the club rooms and they'd have to like a bible story and they'd put up like a cutout thing but almost velcro to the board um i remember mr martin was really cool about telling stories and putting those things up on the board um and then they were just really good with us um playing games uh after club meetings uh we would go down and play kick the can um we uh, we did boing boing wars I don't know if you ever did a Boing Boing War. No. Uh, Boing Boing Wars were cool, man. It was like a uh, <laughs> small pieces of uh, sponges, but they were big enough to kind of fit in your hand. They weren't actual like dish sponges. I don't know where they got the material from, but uh, <laughs> it was like having a reloadable water balloon and you just got these sponges and you would dip them in a water bucket and you just throw them at each other like a water balloon. <laughs> Oh, Dave, I, I, that would absolutely be outlawed today in 2021. I have to imagine uh, someone would complain. And, and you know what, Dave? I don't kind of like the cheap shots there. You see, you don't know what it was like in the East. In the West, You that was like a country club you guys had. Country club meetings, I'll call them, uh, with, with your fancy boards. And you had a concession stand and uh, all these fun and games. I mean, you know, we had, to, we had trains and uh, we had a little little jungle there where, where things would pop out of, uh, you know, men were men out in the East, I think, you know. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I loved running down into the Creek. <laughs> when, you, when you talked about getting dirty, you know, Jason always had the early game because he was younger and I played later. I always played my games dirty because I was always down in the Creek. We, you know, we, we, we wore like the white shorts, right? The white <laughs> shorts with the colored top. So my shirts were never white when I started a game when I played out in Wingate. 
I don't know whose idea it was to have, uh, yeah, white shorts or what, you know, while these white uniforms, uh, white pants and everything. Yeah, <laughs> that was a home field advantage. The West guys were like, oh, what is this creek? This is cool. Get you guys all tired out. And then, uh, you know, hey, we had the high ground after that, much like a Civil War battle. <laughs> it works because I don't think we won a whole lot when we were Indian. So, <laughs> well, not many Indian teams have. Let's just say the uh, Atlantic always kind of ran the show out there. It seemed like, but uh, anyway, uh, Carrie Youth League was so much fun, and um, I, I can just imagine uh, the Ramos boys running around. So, uh, Dave, you, you make the the leap from Carrie Youth League to Rio Hondo Prep right? The, the, uh, the small school uh, down at the end of Farna Avenue. And, you know, some people have probably heard the name of the school and heard stories about the school, but what was your experience? Uh, it could be high school. It could be junior high. Whenever you went there, whenever the memories pop up, what was your experience going in? And, and did you kind of know what you were getting into when you enrolled there? I don't think I knew um, everything that I, that I was going to end up doing while I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went, started at Rio uh, in seventh grade, sixth grade. I went to uh, Marshall Fundamental in Pasadena. Oh wow! Was a sixth through twelfth uh, grade school, and it was right in the middle of gang territory. <laughs> um, and there was Pasadena High School on one end, Muir High School on the other, and there were a lot of uh, gang stuff. Um, I was failing classes. I used to be, I was a straight A student. I was failing classes. Um, I think we had nine legit knockdown throw, uh, throw down fights, uh, during one lunch period. Um, I used to, I used to run and climb up a tree and just watch from the top of a tree where I knew I couldn't get hurt, but I could still see everything that happened. Um, and my parents didn't like that. So, so I don't remember exactly um, who it was that um, encouraged my parents to look into Rio Hondo. Um, I do remember specifically the first time I actually considered it. Um, it was actually Noel Hampton, Noel Bazuzzi now, um, was talking to my mom uh, on one of the bleachers right outside the concession stand during a basketball game. I think it was during one of my brother's games or something. And I just remember her talking to my mom and thinking, yeah, this would be a great place to go. <laughs> and we got there the next year and it was, everything was cool. Very nice. Well, tell me while we're kind of on the subject, tell me about your, your parents, Dave. Um, we, we, we talked about kind of the, 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 the war paint and stuff and running around and everything, but individually kind of what what were your parents like and and kind of the influence they had on you at a young age it sounds like your dad made that great decision to you know get away from the other youth sports program you guys were in and land care youth league and uh, your mom was she into sports or did she just kind of see that you guys loved it and and this was uh, a good thing for you guys to be a part of tell me about your parents um no my mom was not a good athlete my dad was um we, we, I think we pretty much got our athletic ability from my dad. Um, I think my mom was just outnumbered. I mean, <laughs> my dad, a sports guy, two, two boys, rambunctious, crazy. Um, she was probably okay with us, you know, getting our uh, energy spent 
while we're at it, care and playing <laughs> sports and whatnot. Um, never once did she ever, you know, discourage it or whatever. She was always encouraging. Um, we, we loved, I mean, we loved playing. We also loved watching sports, uh, but my mom didn't care about sports much. If we'd go to a Dodger game or something, um, she wouldn't watch the game. She'd read a book. Um, but uh, my dad, yeah, my dad was a really phenomenal uh, baseball player. Um, he didn't play any organized sports until he was an adult here in the United States. Played in some uh, Mexican fast pitch uh, baseball leagues. Um, always had power. Uh, I remember one time went to the park, and there was a couple of young kids. I, I mean, I, they're, they were they're kids to me now, but they're probably <laughs> in their twenties, uh, playing practicing slow pitch softball. And uh, we're riding our bikes, and my dad stops to watch, and he just looking and looking. And he just turns to these guys and he says, what, you guys can't hit it out of the park? <laughs> and, you know, they look at this old man over here and uh, they say, well, you think you can do it? My dad looks at him and says, yeah. He walks up, first pitch, strokes a homer. <laughs> I think it might have bounced off the top of the fence, but it still went over. Hey. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, he was, he was a really good baseball player. Um, I used to not think he was very good at uh, basketball, but uh, he could always beat us until we were tall enough to block a shot. But he he shot like Larry Bird, shot with the big hand behind the head. <laughs> and uh, he was actually pretty good, man, but he, he just never played it. So he just, uh, he was just a good athlete, man. That's what, oh. that's, that's where Jay and I both got it from. Oh, that's awesome. Very, very cool to hear. And um, yeah, he, I mean, you guys were great athletes in all sports, but I mean, you guys, you guys are a football family, the Ramos boys, uh, uh, people know you guys for football and your dad sound like he didn't really have any, uh, previous, um, uh, experience with it or anything. Uh, but could he, and, and your mom just kind of see that you, this was something you guys really, really loved. And maybe he got into it more as you guys got older. Yeah, he would, you know, he was definitely a, a hands-on dad when it came to the sports. I mean, he didn't necessarily know the ins and outs and the, um, you know, the X's and O's of football, but he was definitely, you know, all-time quarterback uh, <laughs> in the front yard. And, and if uh, if he threw a pass, it wasn't off. I mean, it was to you. Oh, yeah. so, so you learned to catch, and if you didn't, you got hit in the face. Okay, I gotta, I gotta know this. I know you're older than Jason, all right, but I've, I've kind of, I've watched more of Jason play than you. I know you're both very physical guys. Uh, what was it like bashing heads with Jason and maybe growing up playing football? I know you played some high school football together too, but uh, tell me about those. Did it ever get kind of violent between the Ramos brothers? Um, you know, I, I don't remember in 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 care youth league us ever really going at it going at it i think we sort of had a mutual respect for each other because we were only 15 months apart mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I don't know if jason mentioned it and i know he won't get mad at me for saying it but he was only one grade behind me when we started school um jay was diagnosed with dyslexia um early on um I don't exactly remember what year, but he got held back a year 
but we were already started in the care youth league. Mm -hmm. So he was grade wise. He was two years behind me, but sports wise, we had already started. So he's only one year behind me. And then in care, if you were heavy, um, you had to play up a division. So for Jay, he was heavy. And uh, so for most of our sports career, we played football together, but because of the rules of being heavy, he could only play offensive line. And so he was our center. Um, and uh, the, the only thing I remember about uh, him and I playing when we were younger like that is he played center and we would call the play and call the count snap first and the offensive line would run up and then the coach would tell the, you know, the backfield what, what they were doing on the play. Well, Jay would run up and he would get tired of waiting for everybody to come back. So he would just rest his head on top of the football and look back between his legs to see when everybody was coming. Cause he was, he was bored. Um, so uh, I, I definitely remember that. Um, but the only time I remember any confrontation was when Jay came up as a, when he was the first freshman and I was a junior in high school. And I think we were running a Templeton drill or something angle tackle in something and uh, here's my little brother and I know he didn't back down and I didn't back down and it was like two titans just kind of smashing together and we stood each other up and uh I don't know he might have broke my shoulder but I never told him <laughs> that's fantastic uh you know anyone who's had a brother can understand that and uh I, I gotta t I, man I've said it before Jason just it's not to take anything away from you, but Jason just, he knew, he knew how to just bring it and lay the hat on guys. And uh, I, man, did he, did he hit as hard as it seemed from like the stands, uh, you know, with you being the, the brother or, you know, I know you don't want to pat him on the back too much here, but was he as a, as kind of a, a violent football player as we all thought he was? Yeah. <laughs> Jay was a bowling ball, man. Yeah he would just run and people would just bounce off him. I mean, I think he was five, eight, maybe 175, 180. Mm -hmm. uh, and guys would just try to tackle him and they bounce off. He, he'd break like, I don't know, four tackles, gain like eight yards. And then he'd get up pissed off that he didn't get more. <laughs> like, dude, you just, do you just realize how good of a run that was? <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, you guys got to play with uh, on the same team in high school as he came up for uh, playoffs, I believe. And, and Dave, uh, forgive me, but what, what did you play um, offense and defense uh, on varsity when, when you were, uh, when you were playing? So I played tackle offensive tackle and I played linebacker. Fun. Very, very fun. And did you feel this, you, I mean, it was four or five, whatever it was, five years before where Rio had had one of the best groups of guys who's ever gone through the school in, you know, Todd Carson, Pete Clark, John Lee, um, uh, Bill Lee, Rick Johnson, Mike Whiteside, Jeff Fairley, the, the list goes on and on and on. I'll forget someone, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, those guys had very successful careers and do you, did you remember kind of watching them as you were uh, in junior high or whatever it was? And then as you got to varsity yourself, were then like, okay, I got to carry on the tradition here. Uh, did you feel that kind of pressure that, um, that uh, what would you call it? 
uh, yeah, just the, the pressure that was more of a, it wasn't really a, 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 a something on your shoulder. It was something that was a, a proud, a proud tradition to carry on. Uh, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think, uh, my, um, my sophomore year, um, I don't, I don't think we made it to the playoffs, but if we did, we might've lost in the first round. Um, and the pressure didn't really start until I was a junior. Um, and we had a, we had a really good team. Uh, my junior year, we made it to the finals, um, and, uh, lost on some, I was there some, some bull. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I was so proud of those guys. I mean, Dave Diaz made a a spectacular pass deflecting the end zone to stop um, Antelope Valley from scoring. And then Edwin Biagas gets called for a head slapping penalty. Yeah. I I was like, you got it. We were very, we were so pissed off. Yeah. Uh, Interesting story about that. Um, You know, we, we always wanted to see this, this penalty. Um, And uh, it wasn't, it was like three years later, I think uh, Josh Krieger and Marcelo Taglioni were uh, at Citrus College and they ran to Aaron Liggins, who was on that team that year. And uh, our video panned with the football when the, when the uh, pass was thrown. So you couldn't see the play on the line scrimmage. Well, he had an angle from their sideline uh, showing that play and all Edwin did was a swim move. Wow. Um, but man, so it was, it was tough. Like we felt we deserved that win. I, I know I uh, hate to admit it, but I went home and I, I think I bawled my eyes out for an hour in the Ramos van when I got home, just sitting in the driveway, just devastated. And um, I think it was partly because we felt like we could begin that legacy yeah. That last, you know, started with that 1990 team. Uh, so, yeah, it was, there's always pressure once you, uh, I think when you feel like you can win, if, if it's not for, you know, the championship, then yeah, it, it's all or nothing, you know? Oh yeah. I, I was at that game. I was, let's see, 95, I was 10 years old. And I got to tell you, that was the first moment I had been to some real games before, but that was the first moment for me where it, it was weird that I fell in love. I, I liked real football before I fell in love with it that night with it being a loss 28, 26. I'll never forget it. You guys lose by two points. I remember seeing it was like Rio had this and then things didn't work out. I felt so bad for this. That was the first time I had the recollection of like, the seniors, they, they're done. They, they, they were that close. They were that close. And you could say whatever you want, that it, it didn't happen. So I remember just the first moment for me being like, wow. And then to see the, the effort and, the, and the, the passion from all the players up close, I was like, okay, this is something I want to, I want to follow more and, and hopefully get to participate in someday. And the very next year, Dave, the seniors couldn't come back, but you guys did. You guys came back. This time, the championship game was away down in Lake Elsinore, Cal Lutheran. And uh, I, my, I went down there as a sixth grader. My coach, Mike Murphy, took me. We went down there and we watched you guys uh, leave no doubt 
in your in your uh, senior season? Uh, yeah, I, I think we all came back that next year, um, realizing that it was we we had to win. I mean, we we did lose Ed Maldonado. I mean, he was a fantastic running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Jay Lett and Josh Krieger, man, those two guys would a tandem. Um, I, you know, I, I might cause some uh, some RHP football controversy, but uh, I, I think we were probably the most dominant CAF champion that Rio's had. Um, I, we we went twelve and zero. I think we only had three teams score on us the whole year. The rest were shutouts. We only played like three full games. Um, I think we still hold the state record for point differential in uh, in a season. I think we outscored teams. Uh, it's like forty something points uh, per game. Pretty. Wow. Uh, I have forty like forty six points per game, and we only allowed three and a half points per game. Uh, <laughs> and and. You know, it, it was. I remember thinking it was frustrating at the time that they had the forty-five point mercy rule, because I, I remember wanting to chase Dave Joe's uh, single-season uh, tackle record, and uh, I think I had like I don't know twenty-five tackles going into our homecoming game against Faith Baptist, and then uh, I think I had twenty-five tackles in the Faith Baptist game as I was one of, one of the first games we played a full game. I was. <laughs> man, I, I could, I could smash all these records if, if we could just play some football. Yeah. And for those that don't know, um, one of the rules at the time uh, with Rio Point was 45 point leads at half at halftime or anytime after halftime, the game was just over. So it was a mercy rule. Uh, but unfortunately there was a lot of, a lot of football left out there. Um, yeah, Dave, uh, you were crowned CIF champs 1996. That's a that's a bold claim, my friend, saying that you guys are the most dominant of all the teams that played in in Rio history. But when you say it that way, most dominant, the uh, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. There, uh, you know, I I really do respect all of the teams before, all the teams after. I think they're all great. Um, I just, you know, in the playoffs, I think it was uh, it was a hundred and forty-five to nothing was our score in our three playoff games. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, some some of those games, I think we had a, a seventy-five to nothing game against Gateway uh, that I think most of the starters only played one quarter, and we still we still won, but. Uh, you know, I know people are going to say the competition wasn't as good and, and whatnot, but, uh, but yeah, I, I might be prejudiced. Hey, you know what? I, I, I had the opportunity day my senior year to take Rio as a senior to go into the 11 man era. And I, I got to say about those teams in the nineties, uh, the late nineties and, and obviously that 1990 team, I would have loved to have seen what you guys could have done at the 11 man level i mean it should have we should have gone 11 man sooner and i think it, it would have been you guys that really carried the torch into that and uh you I, hey you're not going to get much of an argument for me there are some talented individuals in those championship teams in 96 97 and 98 uh in the eight-man era so 
Uh, you started a little tradition there. I know that's something you wanted to do and uh, you did just that. So uh, congrats on that. And I think you left Rio Hondo Prep Football in uh, in good hands as you graduated and then Jason came in. So you still got to go to games and cheer him on. And was that hard kind of not playing anymore and just watching him? It was, um, especially uh, his first game. I think his junior year, his first game, they lost. And I remember halftime, I remember just screaming at him from the stands, just yelling at the boys to not quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I probably shouldn't have, probably shouldn't have done that, but they, uh, they figured it out. They, fin- they finished the rest of the year strong. Um, and, uh, you know, Jay, Jay's class, um, you know, they got to play in a championship game all four years of his uh, high school. At least Jay did and, and Seth did. Um, I don't remember if anybody else got brought up as freshmen. But, that, uh, but everyone else is a sophomore, I remember. I mean, all those guys played as sophomores. Uh, yeah, most of them did. Most of them did at, at the um, 96 year. Um, but I, I will have to say, you know, even though you and I have never really spoken, I, I think we capped off sort of the most dominant era of eight man football in RHP history. Cause you had your championship in 2001. One. Yeah. I was a sophomore on the 2000 team. And then, uh, 2001 was my junior year. And so, yeah, five titles in, in six years, isn't bad, but just think had, had those, the 99 guys, had they not lost in the semis and got to the finals and there wasn't that head slap call. We're talking about uh seven. What is it? What would that be? Seven for seven. I don't remember. I think I wrote it down somewhere at some point, but uh, yeah, I think, I think it was, uh, it would have been like, titles in nine years or something crazy yeah quite and people can argue you know oh eight man football whatever um you know it is what it is you play the level that you're at so let me ask you this Dave after high school you go into college and you actually played some college football you played at PCC and was there a uh was there kind of like this I don't know what first of all what was your experience and then also what was how did people treat you knowing that you had come from this eight man football school, real Hondo prep at Pasadena city college. Well, I, I would, I would say this. I, I feel like I was probably the biggest, strongest, fastest guy on, on the team as a senior. And I went to PCC and I was none of that. <laughs> I mean, I, I told, I went in and told him I was an offensive lineman and a, and a linebacker. It was coach Tom Marr. Um, and he pointed to the board and showed uh, his uh, linebacker board. And there were guys on there that was like uh, 6'1", 240, 6'3", 245, 6'2", 250. And I was like 5'11", like 190. And uh, he said, you can't play linebacker. <laughs> and I said, well, I just want to play football. And I just walked on and uh, just earned my way to a starting spot my sophomore year um got a concussion um my sophomore year actually played at pcc with another 
KYL alumnus, uh, Chuck Leonardis. Uh, we had a pretty good team. He was a fantastic football player. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we weren't very good um, team-wise, uh, sort of average, but, uh, but it, was, it was quite a transition going from not only from high school to college football, but from the eight-man game to 11-man game, I had to learn everything. And yeah. that was probably the only thing that saved me was I was able to process and evaluate plays and watch a lot of film and study players and stuff like that helped me out. A lot that goes into uh, college football, no matter the level. Um, one Division one, two, three, NAI, JC. Uh, it's a it's a year round thing, and uh, you know Tom Marr, your head coach. Did, did you know that back in the day, uh, I believe he he went to Boys Christian League briefly. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't remember that. He spoke at a, at a quarterback club luncheon thing we had as a senior year. Um, Mr. Drain took a few of us to this it was Pete Carroll and Tom Marr that speaking at the time. And Tom Marr said, Oh, real hundo preps here. Hey, great love for the care youth league organization. I used to be in it when it was boys Christian league, but uh, I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford it because uh, it was a quarter every time you cussed. So he had to quit. <laughs> Actually, oh, <laughs> now that you say that, now that you say that line, I remember that he did say that to me. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. Oh, man. I don't know where. I, yep. I, I, all these memories logged in there somewhere. But anyway, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> really funny. So uh, so you played college football there. Did your did your college career continue? Where, where did, where did uh, after that sophomore year you had at PCC, uh, what was next for you? Um, at the time, I really didn't think anything. Um, I, uh, because I had a concussion, I, I didn't play for a week or so. And then, uh, didn't start much after that played mostly nickelback. Um, had a highlight film that was probably like two minutes long, like not very much at all. <laughs> um, but, uh, I had a coach come out and this is actually a really cool story. Uh, Coach Tim Rosenbaugh came out from St. Ambrose University. Uh, Rosenbaugh was, um, he played college football at Washington State. It's either Washington or Washington State. And then actually played in the NFL um, for the Arizona Cardinals. And one of his, he came out here, he was at uh, St. Ambrose University in Iowa. Um, I, I didn't know anything about Iowa except driving through there when we were on a summer trip to play at the field of dreams. Um, but he took me to my local park, played with me a little bit. And uh, his selling point was that he was the quarterback on the original tech mobile uh, football game on Nintendo. <laughs> no way. I was like, no way. I have that in my house right now. And uh, uh, he was a really cool dude. Um, and, uh, they, I, I went straight home and plugged in Tech Mobile and sure enough chose Arizona Cardinals and there was, there was Tim Rosenbaugh. And that was when they could actually use names on, on jerseys and everything. <laughs> um, and yeah, got, got a scholarship to go out and play at St. Ambrose University in Iowa uh, at NAIA school, small little private school out there in Davenport, Iowa. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Oh man, I've been to Davenport, uh, 
those umpiring minor league baseball, uh, yeah, quad cities out there, Davenport, the big bridge. You got a great picture, uh, umpiring a baseball game, the, the river bandits, the quad city river bandits. Uh, I didn't know there was a, a college there. That's a, what a small world. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. So what was that experience? Like, first of all, being in, in Iowa in the summer is one thing, but, but going to school, there's a totally different thing and playing football, uh, were you there one year, two years? And, uh, did you miss Southern California at all? I definitely missed Southern California. Definitely missed, uh, family and friends. Um, but, uh, I just knew that I wanted to play football. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't going to get a, a scholarship to UCLA or USC as much as I wanted to go, uh, to a, to a D one school, but, uh, I, I, at the end of my sophomore year, I really didn't think I was going to get anything. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a, a full, full ride. Any, I can't, doesn't do full rides, but I went there for my junior year and my senior year. Um, actually came back after uh, fall semester, my senior year, but, uh, I was, it was enough that I didn't come out of school with a tremendous amount of debt. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, but it was a ton of fun, man. Oh, fun. I can imagine, man. I just, yeah, that's, that's outstanding. And what a great, uh, great football career you had. And, and I want to go back to high school for a second and talk about um, some of the leaders there. You've heard a few of the leaders on here, Chris Horton, uh, Mr. Ken Drain. Um, I got to applaud you, Dave, as someone, when I put together the thing for, uh, Ken Drain with all the voice messages. You had one of my favorites because you talked about, uh, you know, having that that life changing moment of having a timeout called just for you uh, by Mr. Drain. And I think <laughs> I know exactly what you meant uh, because the gym could get rather loud, uh, or he could get rather loud in that gym while giving some uh, corrective uh, criticism. We'll say. So uh, do, do you remember that moment specifically or anything uh, like that with coach drain? Oh yeah. I, I, I can, I can picture it even to this day. I can see the veins and, you know, <laughs> in, in the side of his forehead. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I have to say, I, I, Mr. Drain was correct. I did play basketball. Like I was playing football. Um, and <laughs> And it was true that I would uh, be driving down the lane for a layup and I, I would look for somebody to jump into to get a foul. Um, unfortunately, Mr. Train thought I was just trying to draw the foul and not trying to make the shot. No, I was trying to make the shot every time I was just that bad of a basketball player. <laughs> um, but no, you know, I really... Um, Watching um, Mr. Drain and, and all of the leaders, to be honest, uh, how hard they worked, um, you know, seeing sort of myself over the last uh, 10 year, 10, 15 years with my with my kids and how much work that they put into what we got to do was amazing. I mean, Mr. Drain cutting the grass out in the out in the fields. Um, you know, making sure that, that we took on that responsibility with, you know, with baseball, cut, you know, cutting the lines on the, on the infield, just perfect. 
Like it had to be, you took that respect. Um, it, it was, uh, yeah, I think at the time when you're, when you're a teenager, at least, at least for me, uh, you're pretty self-absorbed as a teenager. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I appreciated it as much when I was there. Um, you know, uh, it was, it was interesting uh, when you had uh, Mr. Chris Horton on, uh, I, I don't know that many people know that he was a really good basketball player. And I didn't, I didn't know that as a freshman, I thought I was a baller and he played me one-on-one in the, in the pavilion one time. And uh, I couldn't beat him. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I could, <laughs> I couldn't beat him. And uh, he, he had a shot that the ball was just too high. I could, I, I could jump out the roof. <laughs> And I could jump all over the place. I could not block a shot. Oh man! Uh, but uh, to if I if I'm being honest though, I think my favorite coach was Mr. Lunny. Uh, he was just he was the epitome of everything that I uh, that I wanted to be as a football player. Um, you know his always very very happy <laughs> when it came to football man it was a switch right um and i and i remember playing like that i remember wanting to play for him that way um i, I remember i think it was my first uh football game as a sophomore of varsity i think we're playing hesperia christian which is funny because i live like 15 minutes from them now but uh, I had this tackle on the sideline. I just mauled the guy. I don't know. It was, it was a really good tackle. I got up, stared him down, whatever. It was football. After the, we won after the game, uh, uh, Teresa McCormick, she was a senior. And it was over by our cheerleading, where the cheerleaders did. And she asked me if I was okay. And I was like, yeah, everything's fine. She said, well, you looked really angry when you tackled that guy. <laughs> and I was like, it's just football. Yeah. Football and it's the way Mr. Lenny taught me to play, and uh, you know it's uh, tremendous respect for him and you know the schemes that he, that he came up with. I mean, I think I mentioned earlier uh, I had like 25 tackles uh, in the homecoming game against Faith Baptist. The only reason that happened is one of their one of their guys got hurt after Matt Bradley sacked their quarterback, um, and uh, he had uh, Mr. Lenny adjusted the. The defensive scheme um, moved my my Jason was playing uh, the left linebacker. I was playing right linebacker, moved Jay outside, like in the slot kind of thing. And that scheme, I mean, I just, it, it was crazy. Yeah. And it, you know, you're just a brilliant man. Um, <laughs> a, a really funny story about Mr. Lenny. When we were in junior high, uh, we were, we did the boys choir. I don't know if you participated in the boys choir. I was a band guy, Dave. Band. Well, we didn't have band. We, we didn't have the option of band. Everybody was a boy choir, which was okay because it was okay to sing because Mr. Lunny was there. Yeah. And, and we weren't very good singers, but man, we could hold that last note. We could hold the last note. But uh, as a seventh grader, we got seventh or, yeah, I think it was seventh grade. We got to go to Salem, Florida to sing in the International Boy Choir Festival. 
I don't know how he pulled that off. <laughs> uh, we weren't that good, but we might have been the only, you know, boy choir in California. I don't know. Uh, we had a couple good singers. Uh, Bill Bingley was a really good singer. Um, he and another kid, I don't remember, Jason Decker maybe, got picked to go up. Like they picked a couple people from all the different choirs or whatever. Anyways, they were they were fantastic singers. Well, there's a lunch break, and we were eating our lunch, and all the other boys in the boy choir festival were playing football. And Mr. Lunny knew. He saw us looking at these boys and he walked up hands in his pockets just with that smile and uh we were like mr lunny can we go play please can we go play football <laughs> and he just said no and he just smiled and walked away and we were like we would destroy these guys <laughs> and uh but but he knew that we would and that was that was enough for us Oh, that's great stuff. There, there, Mr. Lunny could not he, get he, uh, a bigger smile, at, but when he was mad at I don't know if he was ever mad at you, but probably a time or two, uh, he, his smile could go quickly the other way. And you're like, oh, okay. He means business. And nobody, nobody threw out sarcastic comments like him. Like, you know, what's, what's the, the famous one? Oh, my grandfather in for, or my grandmother in for Hersima, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was, I was thankful. I don't think I actually ever had my grandmother come in for me on any play <laughs> defense. I don't think so either. Now on offense, that's a whole nother story. I think, uh, I think Jay Lett and Josh Krieger and even Ed Maldonado, they both probably would have ran for like another thousand yards if it wasn't for all the holding penalties I had. <laughs> You just poor want to guys. tackle guys. <laughs> well, poor guys would run like a 60 yard touchdown and get in the end zone and turn around and nobody's in the end zone celebrating <laughs> because they, we all know there's a flag. Just walk back. Oh man. Those, those dudes were fast, uh, fast indeed. Oh boy. That's uh, awesome stuff, Dave. Well, Dave, what can you tell me about, you know, we've talked a lot of football and, and man coaches and just experiences. Um, how, how was it that you ended up, in the current career that you're in after college, what made you decide to go into law enforcement? Did you have other kind of thoughts in mind of a direction you wanted to go or how did you land on that? Well, I was sort of dared to do it. Um, I, I was working at a, a retirement home called Monte Vista Grove Homes. It's a really cool place. Uh, retirement home for retired ministers and missionaries from the Presbyterian church. Uh, I got a job there starting off in the kitchen. My mom was the um, director of nursing for the skilled nursing facility, but uh, I got married, um, had my first uh, kid, Caleb. Uh, he was a newborn and uh, my wife, Linda, she was working at Starbucks at the time. And we, uh, we were just kind of trying to, figure out how we were going to make it so that she could stay home uh, with our son. And uh, one, uh, Josh Gary, another RHP alumnus, he's a class of uh, 98 behind me. Uh, we ended up going to the same church together after high school. And he uh, went to the uh, Los Angeles Sheriff's Department and got hired on there. And uh, Another buddy of mine, Danny Woolley, got hired on at LASD. Uh, Ken Lee, 
uh, he and I were working, I was picking up a second job as campus safety in, uh, at APU and Ken uh, went to the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. And I think I talked to Josh, I was just complaining about work and not enough money and or something. He said, why don't I go to the Sheriff's Department? I was like, I won't go to the Sheriff's Department. And uh, he, cause he, he would always talk about how great LA County was and, and everything. And I was like, nah, I don't think I want to risk my life like that, you know, kind of thing. And uh, he just kept pushing, kept pushing. I said, uh, or he told me, well, go to San Bernardino. You don't have to go out on patrol. And I was like, nah, nah. I said, well, if San Bernardino is so great, why don't you go to San Bernardino? And he said, no, LA County's the best. Uh, he's, he's San Bernardino County now. <laughs> actually, actually, he just got promoted sergeant. Congrats, big ups to Josh Gary, or right. Sergeant Gary. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but anyways, I, I to get him off my back, I told him, hey, you know what? If San Bernardino is so great, if you lateral over to San Bernardino, I'll apply. Okay, okay. Uh, must have been a year later. Calls me up, tells me he just put in his transfer to San Bernardino. And I'm thinking, oh, that's great. You don't have to drive, you know, into L.A. every day. And, you know, I'm sure uh, Sarah will be happy that you're, you know, you're not gone all the time. And uh, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But now that I, I lateraled, if you're a man of your word, you'll go apply. <laughs> and uh, so, I, I, you know, I, I prayed about it and talked with about it with Linda and it was going to work out that we were going to be able to make it so that she could stay home. And 15 years later, here I am uh, still with the sheriff's department, went out to patrol uh, and uh, I'm at the courts now. Um, some, some circumstances going on with our family at the time that I really needed to be home. And uh, it, it was really good that I, when I went to the courts, uh, it, it actually was a really cool experience for me because Caleb had just started playing football, which of course, like you said, Ramos family, football family. <laughs> um, he did. So that was, he was maybe, I want to say 11 or 12 when he first started playing uh, because of my college football and whatnot, I did have a lot of concussions when I was playing uh, Linda was not comfortable with him playing when he was real little. <laughs> um, but his second year was when I uh, playing was when I went to the courts. And because of doing that, I was able to um, help coach uh, his youth team. Uh, Linda was the athletic director um, or one of the athletic directors. Uh, Caleb, of course, was playing. And then my daughter, Kira, was a cheerleader for his team. Wow. And, uh, to, the, to this day, it's the only time that we've ever done the same sport at the same time all together um, that, that year that we did that. It was, it was really cool. Oh, that's a special memory. Absolutely, indeed. And, you know, I, I found it interesting, Dave, that with so many Real Hondo Prep graduates, uh, it's almost like they, they were, you know, teaching us that one day we would serve others and go into fields uh, where we would have an impact and have to be leaders ourselves. And, and there's been countless people who've gone through Rio Hondo 
who have gone into law enforcement. It feels like a, almost a natural fit, like teamwork and everything and, uh, you know, providing a service. And do you feel that your experiences at Rio Hondo Prep had anything to do with your decision in law enforcement or, or helped prepare you at all for, for your career path? Um, I, I don't think it necessarily was part of my decision to go. Cause honestly, like until Josh challenged me, I, I really wasn't thinking law enforcement. Um, but as far as preparing me to be in law enforcement, I think so. Um, I think a lot of the compassion that um, we learn, um, a lot of the, the, like you said, leadership and, uh, you know, working as a team, because in law enforcement, if you don't work as a team, you, you're never going to accomplish anything. You could try to be a, a, a blue flamer all you want by yourself, but if you're not a team player, you're not going anywhere. Um, and uh, I, I think definitely those early on experiences um, and lessons that we learned uh, were definitely beneficial in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. No, that's uh very well said. And, you know, you've heard my podcast a few times, you, you kind of know where I stand on things. Um, you know, we're in this age now where law enforcement is, uh, it's a very thankless job. I, I hope you and your brothers and sisters know that there are plenty of people out here who appreciate what you do. We know that you guys have had to be a be involved in situations none of us can even comprehend. And uh, you don't have to go into specifics, whatever you want to say here, but what, what would you say is the overall mor- the, the uh, overall morale of, of the troops, if you will, of, of the police and, and sheriffs out there? Because it, it concerns me with all of the negativity I see about law enforcement. So what, what can you speak on to that as far as do does everyone kind of understand, Hey, this is, you know, we knew this could happen when we signed up or is everyone kind of down or embracing the challenges that kind of this crazy past couple of years have thrown at law enforcement? Um, I would say that it's a mixed bag. I think there's a lot of stuff that's in the media, a lot of stuff that's, uh, portrayed law enforcement in a negative light. If you ask most police officers, the stuff that really truly is, uh, uh, how do I say it? When a police officer does something wrong, every single good police officer has no problem standing up and saying that dude shouldn't be a police officer anymore. Uh, I think the frustration comes in because you, you know, for every one compliment that you would get from a community member, uh, there's 10 or 15 negative things, you know, from the opposite side of the spectrum. There were, there were plenty of times when I was on patrol um, where uh, we'd be out getting some chow somewhere and somebody would, uh, I mean, I remember going to the restroom and coming back and a note being on our table telling us, thank you for what you do. I mean, it, it, 
majority of the people out there like us and support us. Um, but it's just like anything else, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Yeah. Um, are, are there things that can be done law enforcement wide um, that can improve it from our standpoint, from things that we can do? Um, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying our profession is perfect, um, but when you deal with evil on a regular basis, um, sometimes you have to do rough things. And uh, a lot of people don't like to see that. M most people don't like to see people get hurt. Police officers don't like to see people get hurt. They don't want to hurt people. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, if, if we're called out to solve a problem, we have to solve the problem with the best tools that we have available and with the best training that we can use. And can we use more training? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, but I, like I said, I think overall, as far as the support for law enforcement, at least within our sheriff's department, uh, I, I feel the love definitely from our community. Um, and there's just those few out there that are just the naysayers and they're never going to go away. Yeah. That's, that's the unfortunate part is that certain issues will never go away. Certain uh, people who are skeptical or um, just have major issues and, and blow everything up out of proportion. I think that's never going to go away. You guys are constantly going to be criticized your every move. My only concern is that, I just hope we we still have people who want to embrace the challenge and and of doing that when we are super cr highly critical of individuals. Um, and, and believe me, there have been instances where it's like, as you said, yeah, that's not acceptable. But I think when we are overly critical of of uh, you know your your occupation, we really uh, I'm speaking from society here, not not you guys, but let's, we have to do a better job of doing what we can do as citizens. And it's a, it's a two-way street. I mean, we have to uh, show respect and, and do what we, we have to make your guys' jobs easier. I, that's what, if I had to sum it up, we have to do that. We cannot be, be out there making um, your jobs worse. And I feel that at times that's how it is. And it's frustrating for me because I'm not in law enforcement, but I am a civilian. So I know what we can control and I don't think we're doing that as well. We should. Um, in, in the grand scheme of things, I, I don't think society in general is, um, is really the problem in terms of who we have to deal with when we're on calls. Um, you know, there's, there's always going to be bad people. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're never gonna, you're never gonna police away all the bad people. You're never going to, um, you know, stop people from wanting to steal or rob or or want to kill somebody or hurt somebody. Uh, that's that's never going to go away. Um, I think the the problem with now I'll, I'll get this might get into the weeds a little bit. I think the problem with our society, um, in in general, uh, sort of the what what we sometimes call the sheep of our society um, 
they don't necessarily want to take responsibility for like, like you're talking about. Um, and so they want the government to fix it. Well, you're not doing this right. So fix it. You want the government. It's always more government taking care of the people. And um, that's, that's never going to work. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, the problems of what we deal with stem from I don't know how I can go into this without uh, making <laughs> another hour of, of our conversation. No, no. But we're, we're not going to solve in, you know, five or 10 minutes what uh, took five or 10 years to have been created. You know, we, we're not going to come and fix your kid not wanting to go to school, uh, but we get called out to do it anyways. Yeah. It, you know, and... I don't know, Matt. It, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. What, uh, that, I thought you summed it up well there. Uh, five, there's no solution in five or 10 minutes that's going to fix something that's uh, you know built up five or 10 years or whatever. So uh, I, I, I totally agree with that. And um, I just got to say, you know, God bless you and, and everyone out there doing it because it's uh, it's a challenge. Uh, we we don't just uh, love you and need you. I mean, we we need you guys. It's 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 uh, we live in an imperfect world, and I think, in summing it up, people forget that. People forget that people want perfection, and and that's not the world we live in. In any area of business, I'm sorry. In any anything, any any walk of life. So that's all uh, I will. I will say about that, but uh, thank you for all you do, Dave. And, and I hope that the, the morale of the officers and, and sheriff's department out there, that they, they know and feel that, okay, it's not just what you see on the news or it's not just the negativity that there are people that think of you guys and pray for you guys on a daily basis. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. And I like, like I have a, I have a, an ex cop come on here weekly and hearing him just speak freely uh is 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 something <laughs> he's retired and uh he's he's a wild man but uh anyway yeah i've I've listened to bill a couple of times oh have you oh bill barnes have you okay he speaks the truth <laughs> <laughs> don't don't give him too much credit he he uh, <laughs> his truth as they say uh yeah he's a wild man but uh i i love him and he's i love hearing his old stories too from you know the way things used to be and stuff he's he's hysterical um that is great stuff well what else uh dave anything else how are things uh, you said you're working in the courthouses now and things are just uh you got the two kids i mean that's kind of good two on two you know no, no no odd numbers no odd numbers of kids so that it's still evenly matched with you and your wife right i mean yeah it's uh yeah no outnumbered uh like like my mom was you know with with uh all boys you know we got we got even we got two two girls in the house two boys in the house um and uh yeah you know they're 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 great kids i, I can't complain um i mean i do but i i, I shouldn't uh <laughs> they're, they're they're pretty good kids man oh well they got a great dad and i can only imagine a, a wonderful wonderful mother so um i, I do want to say something that really touched me when I interviewed Jason and 
you heard what he had to say. Jason was um, Jason was in Las Vegas a night of a pretty horrific tragedy. And I want to say that the things he said about you, Dave, and you, your, your love for your brother and wanting to go and be there for him, that really moved me. And I just want to say that uh, much love and respect to the Ramos family um, as someone who has, you know, I just, it's just my brother. There's no other siblings, me and my brother, I could totally relate. And um, man, that was a pretty powerful moment that I hadn't really know Jason was going to talk about, but he started talking about the, his experience of that night. And the biggest impact I had from it was not just every detail he shared, but the fact that he called you and you guys were in communication and you were, you wanted to be there for your brother. So um, I didn't mention that before we recorded. It just kind of came to me right now, but that was something that I will always remember from the interview with Jason. And uh, man, I think that speaks volumes of the type of guy you are, Dave. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, You know, it's just, he's my brother and as much as we might fight or argue or, um, you know, whatever it might be, when it comes down to it, he's my brother. I'm going to be there for him no matter what. Um, it doesn't matter if it was that incident or anything else. Um, for me in particular, I was just thankful that I was in the, um, that, that I, that I was a deputy sheriff and that allowed me to get as close as I did to get to him as fast as possible. Um, there were a ton of people, ton of friends, um, partners that I called on the way out there, um, to help get information. Every single one of them, man, they, they were, you know, they were all there to support me and my brother. Um, and, uh, you know, of course my dad went with me, you know, we, he, he drove, he drove me up there. Um, and, uh, it's what family's for, man. Amen. For. Amen, sir. That is uh, completely, yeah, I can't say it better than that. Um, and I think with this past year that we've all kind of suffered a little, we've all kind of had some adversity and obstacles. I mean, I, I hope Dave that, you know, to kind of use the football terminology, I, I hope that it's made us all a little bit tougher, tougher. I hope that these experiences that everyone's gone through this past year with, you know, lockdowns and job loss and, uh, you know, infections and losing people and just everything this country has been through. I hope it does make us tougher and stronger and doesn't make us more of a reason to, to complain. I, I hope more people follow in, uh, you know, the Ramos brothers footsteps and uh, are there for each other when adversity pops up. So um, in wrapping it up, Dave, I mean, what are your thoughts on just this crazy year we've been in and what you're most looking forward to just hopefully more football games with your son, Caleb, and uh, you know, your, your daughter playing sports or what she's up to. I mean, everything good. Yeah, well, this it, this last year has been a little tough for uh, for Caleb. Uh, even before COVID, his uh, his high school decided to not play football, um, which was which was really tough. 
and uh, we actually fought it for a while. Um, tried to go to school board meetings and the whole nine yards, and and uh, they just didn't understand that uh, you you could play football with only twenty players on a team. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and I and I wish that those people had a little more um, experience with being tough because uh, you know they had we had Caleb played his freshman year uh, and the, uh, the varsity team needed more players and they couldn't sustain a JV and a varsity team they felt. And uh, so he actually got, had to go up to play varsity to help out. He, he got some playing time, but uh, a lot of injuries uh, with the kids and the school felt it was a safety concern. Uh, to uh, play football with so little players and in the back of my mind every single time I heard that I was like um I think uh, we only had like 16 players on my varsity team when we when we played football <laughs> I mean it was eight man but but still it's still not that not as few as Rio Hondo. you can do it you just got to have people that are willing to be tough um so he's not he's not playing football but he's uh he's they're trying to get baseball and basketball going um, you know, with the COVID stuff, it, uh, it's a little tough. Um, so it, it's been a rough year as far as sports goes for the Ramos family. I mean, we really no sports for a year is, uh, it's kind of weird. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely, man, definitely. Well, we hope the kids are, are playing ball here soon and, uh, California is just a, a different animal, I guess, but I hope, uh, the kids are out there playing ball and you can cherish the memories uh, that they're going to make like uh, like you got to experience as a kid in, uh, in high school and such. So, Dave, anything else uh, you want to say before we kind of wrap it up, man? This has been a lot of fun going down memory lane and just uh, having a conversation. No, I mean, I could I could talk to you all night long. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny, you know, listening to everybody on the podcast. Um I could pretty much uh, tell a story about just about everybody that uh, that was on. Um, you know, I mean, funny, funny stuff. Uh, Bill Lee, uh, uh -huh. you know, he. I could have told you as as a high schooler that he would have gone into the military. <laughs> there was one time we did a, um, a a paintball war up at Mount Care, and uh, we decided we we're going to make it an all night paintball war. And uh, halfway through the night, uh, Bill decided to, I don't know what he called it, but he said, okay, it's going to be me against all of you, all of the varsity football players. And uh, he's like, you guys set up a camp or a fort over here, and then uh, I'm going to try to sneak up on you guys. And uh, he got the drop on us every time. And one, one time I was uh, crouched down, like in the fetal position uh, near a bush, and he crawled up to the bush I was cowering in front of and uh, just lit everybody up the paintballs were going over my head i didn't move I didn't, he, he didn't see me he didn't see me but uh but anyways uh lots of stories i could tell about about stuff but we just don't got the time brother. Oh, oh man i could i could do it also i could do it also just ton, ton of stories just keep them coming and yeah you had all that military experience you and your brother jason from your early days i would have thought that would have got you ready no, no, not that doesn't get you ready for Billy. No, no. Was he is he a cab? I always forget Captain Billy in the 
U.S. Yeah. Marine, whatever. He's a uh, he's a lethal weapon himself. <laughs> Dave, this has been a pleasure. Uh, great catching up. Great talking. Uh, again, we could talk for another hour, I'm sure, but uh, I know it's late here on a, whatever night this is. Thanks for staying up late with me and recording. This is a fun conversation, man. It's been a blast. Yeah, no problem, dude. I appreciate you having me on. Will do. We'll stay in touch and uh, talk to you soon, Dave. All right. Take it easy. Big thank you to Dave Ramos for coming on the program. That was a lot of fun. Dave and I recorded a couple weeks ago. It was pretty late at night, so we were probably losing a little bit of energy there towards the end, but uh, really a fun conversation with Dave, talking about real Hondo prep football, talking about family life, life in law enforcement. Just appreciate all of his topics and all of his opinions and, and just uh, memories that he shared. Just a great, great time. Uh, Dave and I have not really talked much over the years, so it was kind of cool getting to know him really uh, almost for the first time after watching him uh, play so many great football games when I was a kid. Uh, wish him nothing but the best. Good luck with the family, Dave, and uh, man, hope all is well and uh, your parents and everybody and the entire Ramos family, your wife, your kids, your brother Jason, uh, just man, what a great, great group of people you guys are. And again, thank you for your service, Dave, and all you and your law enforcement uh, brethren out there and all you guys do. We always appreciate and support our law enforcement here at the Get Home Safe podcast. Well, guys, uh, you're listening to this episode on Friday or maybe Saturday. I don't know. And, you know, the, the Real Honda Prep game has been finalized. It's been played already, right? I know you guys are itching to hear about maybe some of the the storylines and the interviews and things. So be sure to tune in on Monday and we'll have that podcast set up for you as well as a recap of the final four heading to the national championship game Monday night in uh, NCAA men's basketball. But again, the main thing will be a hopefully a, a, a bunch of uh, interviews and, and recordings that we can piece together for a fun episode on Monday, uh, recapping the Rio Hondo Preppers Pasadena Poly football game from the Rose Bowl. Hopefully uh, everything comes together. And uh, yeah, we got a great show for you on Monday. So be sure to uh, tune in for that one, of course. And then Bill Barnes on Wednesday for the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Another a, uh, retired law enforcement officer, I should say, who will have some very strong opinions about uh, some of the random things going on around the world. And hopefully he will have some opinions about the uh, the big game from uh, Thursday night between Rio and Polly. Got to get him to make sure he watches that game. Okay, guys, uh, for those of you who don't know, of course, I say it every episode, but our social media platforms are uh, on, let's see, Twitter, Get Home Safe Pod, our Facebook and Instagram page, Get Home Safe Podcast, and our email address is gethomesafepodcast at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you just like you hear from us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays here at the Get Home Safe Podcast. Shoot us an email with some questions or topics that you'd like to uh, hear me or Bill talk about. Maybe some ideas. I don't know. Anything you want to do, guys, reach out to us. It's uh, fun to hear from fans and listeners and just uh, keep this thing very hands-on and fan-friendly. If you guys did not see one of the original uh, or first Facebook Live videos on Thursday, I posted was kind of with my new camera for my my laptop here, uh, kind of talking about the upcoming game on Friday or Thursday night. And uh, just kind of giving you guys an idea that we're going to try to do more videos here in moving forward. Some just little quick 15-minute videos of me about breaking news or something. Uh, but also some maybe some interviews with Bill Barnes. I think he would like that. He likes going on, on uh, you know, on the live video. He's got to behave himself just a little bit. 
that way because we can't edit anything. <laughs> but uh, big things ahead for the Get Home Safe podcast. New equipment, new things, new topics. I'm very much excited about the direction this podcast is going. And I cannot thank you guys enough for your continued support. For those who reach out randomly, for, for those who've come on the program, uh, not just once, but some of you multiple times, for people who are always willing to talk, I think it's great. Um, for those of you that maybe are a little shy about coming on the program, please but please don't be, but I, I, I understand if you are, but it's just, uh, it's just me having a conversation with you. Nothing to be intimidated uh, about, uh, intimidated by about, because it's just us having a conversation, catching up, um, and, and again, these usually are not recorded live they're recorded so we can edit things out and uh you know i work i work with the people i'm a man of the people work with my listeners work with my guests that come on Uh, i just want to continue to put out fun conversations that hopefully you guys enjoy listening to uh every single time we, we get something out here for the get home safe podcast don't forget mondays sports recap this week specifically dedicated to real hondo prep uh, the, the big game at the Rose Bowl Wednesday, weekly Wednesday weigh-in with Bill Barnes, the retired cop who was on here every Wednesday for strong opinions and random thoughts. And of course, Fridays, much like you heard today, a long form interview talking about the journey that uh, a, a guest has has been on, their, their life's journey and, and the different stops along the way, growing up, their career path. Uh, always a lot of fun kind of getting some insight onto other people's lives and just uh, it truly is truly is a blessing out there so guys the weekend is here if you're listening to this saturday listen to this sunday or, or whatever it is i appreciate it um continue to support the podcast give us a like give us a follow on social media i see all those numbers are starting to are continuing to grow up uh so i uh, appreciate all of that have a great weekend guys i can't believe april is here that's so hard to believe major league baseball is back we got semi-full stadiums with fans in the stands lots to be thankful for but everyone have a good time this weekend enjoying the basketball uh, hopefully hopefully everyone enjoyed the the real Pro football game on thursday night and man we're just Life's moving. Life is moving. 2021, picking up some steam. Uh, Very much uh, looking forward to what is ahead next for the Get Home Safe podcast. Anyway, guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.